The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Good morning. It's Monday the 20th of November here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, OpenAI's board rejects the wishes of major shareholders and hires a new CEO to replace Sam Altman. Expectations grow for the autumn statement and tax cuts from the UK Chancellor. And Elon Musk doubles down the owner of X, uses his social media platform to defend himself from allegations of anti-Semitism. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Chaos is threatening to engulf the firm behind some of the most exciting developments in artificial intelligence. OpenAI's founder Sam Altman was ousted as the CEO on Friday after a power struggle with the board over the direction of the chat GPT owner. Bloomberg understands that this morning the board has hired Emmett Shear, formerly of Twitch, to replace him. Bloomberg's AI and tech reporter Rachel Metz has more. OpenAI uh, leadership um, has put out memos internally at the company saying that uh, the board hasn't said that there was any, quote, malfeasance um, or anything like that. Um, So it's not totally clear what the board was initially even accusing him of doing when it got rid of him. Rachel Matt says the decision is a stinging rebuke to major investors such as Microsoft and Thrive Capital, who wanted Altman back and the board to step down. Now, here in the UK, Jeremy Hunt is expected to reveal plans to cut Britain's tax burden at this week's autumn statement, a pivotal moment for the struggling Tories. The Chancellor's tax and spend plans will be announced on Wednesday and speculation is growing that he may promise a future income tax cut. Speaking on Sunday, Hunt said that any reduction must be done in a responsible way. We believe lower taxes are essential for a high-growth economy. So we do want to bring down the tax burden, but we will only do so responsibly. The one thing we won't do is any kind of tax cut that fuels inflation. We've done all this hard work. We're not going to throw that away. Jeremy Hunt has also been considering a potential cut to inheritance tax, though the move has already drawn criticism from some Tory MPs and has been a source of division in the Prime Minister's top team. The White House says a deal to free some of the 239 hostages held in Gaza is closer than ever. It's understood the agreement would involve the release of dozens of captives and an extended pause in the fighting. America's Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer says outstanding areas of disagreement between Israel and Hamas have been narrowed. I believe we are closer than we have been in quite some time, uh, maybe closer than we have been since the beginning of this process to getting this deal done. And we are following this minute by minute, hour by hour, and have been uh, for a number of weeks up to and including the president uh, for whom this is a major priority. 
speaking to NBC's Meet the Press programme, Feiner went on to say that a pause would also allow more humanitarian aid to reach Gaza. The Hamas-run health ministry there says the death toll has now surpassed 13,000. The negotiations come as Israel released footage of what it says is a fortified tunnel under the Shifa hospital complex. Pressure has been mounting in recent days to justify the raid on the medical centre amid and claims of a Hamas base beneath it. Elon Musk says that reports labelling him as anti-Semitic couldn't be, quote, further from the truth. The tech billionaire is facing an advertiser backlash after endorsing anti-Semitic content in a post on his social media platform. Near Impact Capital founder Kristin Hull is an activist investor in Tesla. She says the car giant's board should step in. No, Elon Musk has been erratic. He's been volatile with his speech. We never actually know (laughs) what he's trying to do. And while he is saying he's promoting free speech, hateful speech and hate speech has no place on X. um, And it certainly doesn't have any place coming from a major um, CEO in our nation. Kristen Hull holds a small amount of shares in Musk's solely publicly traded venture, but large advertisers like Walt Disney and Apple are among those distancing themselves from X. Libertarian outsider Javier Millet will become Argentina's new president. He's promising a radical shake-up to fix decades of policy mismanagement. Speaking to crowds in Buenos Aires, the president-elect stressed the need for immediate action. The situation in Argentina is critical. The changes that this country needs are drastic. There's no room for gradual measure. And there's no way to say it. Long live freedom. Javier Mele also highlighted the Argentina's critical economic condition in an address to supporters. Investors are welcoming the news. Overseas bonds look poised to rise as traders anticipate a change in fortunes for the country after experiencing five recessions in the last decade. It's expected that the Argentinian peso will weaken, reflecting Millet's plan to replace the currency with the dollar. And finally, London's Heathrow Airport is facing flight delays due to staff absences and bad weather, including high winds. Nats, the UK's aerospace uh, airspace manager, rather, said in a statement that temporary restrictions were in place at Heathrow, adding that it's working with the airport to reduce disruption. Um, The British Airways website shows dozens of flights held up by up to two hours as the airline adjusts some of its short-haul schedule. The news comes after Gatwick said uh, late in September that it had had capped the number of daily flights until the 1st of October due to unforeseen staff shortages. Those are your top stories on the markets. The MSCI Asia Pacific Index is trading half a percent higher this morning. Eurostock's 50s, 50 futures are flat at the moment. The 10-year Treasury yield is two basis points higher at 4.45%. Now, in a moment, uh, we're going to be talking about the, what we expect to see from the Chancellor in this week's autumn statement from Jeremy Hunt. We'll also bring you the latest details on the extraordinary story of OpenAI, the company that helped develop ChatGPT, uh, is engulfed in a power struggle uh, right now, including up until uh, this morning. So we'll have more on that in just a moment. 
But also this, Stephen. Tis the season to know the size of the bonus that you might get in the financial industry. Paul Che Davies has a, a long read on this this morning and he delves into all the various um, types of financial firms. His answer is essentially not that big. Global M&A activity has slumped this year. Deals have tumbled, so bonuses there expected to be down something like 20%, according to Johnson Associates. And then he looks at all the different types of trading. Also, not that great for bonus season this year. Yeah, it's true when you dig into the details of, of where the activity has gone in banks this year. It's perhaps not surprising to many people and, and I'm sure where people might have been very hopeful that perhaps their bonuses might be larger than they expect. The uh, the data seems to have turned against them anyway, mm. uh, but all crunched in Paul Davies' piece this morning. So uh, well worth a read. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Okay, let's turn our attention then and get the details on the leadership changes at OpenAI, the company that helped to develop ChatGPT. The board, which ousted the CEO and president on Friday of last week, are said to have hired Emmett Shear as their new chief. That comes after Bloomberg reported that the interim CEO, Mira Marathi, was planning to rehire former Chief Sam Altman and former President Greg Brockman. Bloomberg TV anchor Tom McKenzie um, has been across this story and joins us now. Wow, this story is moving quickly. What have we actually heard about what the board is doing just this morning about who they're picking as CEO? Yeah, the story is developing at at a very rapid clip and our team on the ground in California, San Francisco, reporting this out for us. So the latest line coming through in the last 30 minutes or so is that Emmett Shear is going to be taking over as the CEO of OpenAI. We know that the board had reached out to a number of potential executives to take over as the CEO over the weekend. Now we have it confirm from our reporting that's going to be Emmett Schiff, formerly uh, the CEO of the video streaming company Twitch up until about March of this year. And prior to that, a co-founder of a video platform called Justin TV. So his background very much within the video world. He's also, though, a part-time partner at Y Combinator, the venture capital firm, which interestingly, Sam Altman was the CEO of uh, prior to OpenAI. That's what we know about Emmett Schiff, the new appointment. Uh, this, though, as there are two camps, there's the board on one side uh, pointing Emmett Shear, but then there was executives and investors pushing to try and bring Sam Altman back. Yeah, and the tension has been very clear indeed between the board, which, let's not forget, was set up when OpenAI was 
squarely focused on being a non-profit. So there's a legacy there in terms of the board's constitution around a project that has evolved so quickly. But the tensions have come to the fore, clearly. We know that not only many researchers and key members of the team at OpenAI, but as you say, also key investors and Microsoft, don't forget, the biggest investor, Satya Nadella, who was taken by surprise by this announcement that Sam Altman was being forced out on Friday. It was a shock to him and the team at Microsoft. We know they are lobbying for Sam Altman to, to come back. And up until this line crossed about 30 minutes ago, the latest news was that they were in the middle of this negotiation, Sam Altman and the board, to get Sam back as the CEO, at least in some kind of leadership form. In fact, he was in the offices of OpenAI over the weekend. Yeah, and fundamentally, though, as this story has sort of exploded mm. um, on, on Friday and over the weekend, what do we think is behind the disagreement? Why do we think that, um, you know, that, that Sam Altman was, was ousted from the business? I mean, that's... There seems, seems to be a to, question mark about yeah, that. Yeah, it seems to be a combination of factors. So I'll take you back to what I was touching on there, which was that OpenAI was originally set up as a non-profit to work on AI that would be and have safety at its core. It had a commercial operation, as Sam and Altman has said in the past, kind of cobbled on rather than all being commercial with a research lab on one side. It was all about the research lab. It's all about being a non-profit. That has evolved and Sam Altman has driven the commercialization of their products, notably, of course, the launch of ChatGPT in November of last year. And he's continued to drive the evolution of those projects and get them out to customers. He claims that about 90% of the Fortune 500 companies have access now and are customers. That has caused tensions within the original build-out of OpenAI, including the chief scientist, by the way, Ilias Uskeva, who they poached from Google, who's been very concerned about risks. But also, again, the legacy board brought on for this non-profit with the aim of being risk-focused. The concern amongst many board members is they've gone too quickly, too fast, and they aren't putting the checks and balances in place. The other component as well that we've been reporting on is that Sam Altman's been doing trips overseas trying to raise capital for additional and new businesses around, for example, AI chips and also AI hardware. So that has also been a tension, apparently, between him and the board. Okay, Tom McKenzie, TV anchor, thank you very much for joining us with the latest on that story this morning. And we're continuing, of course, to follow all the developments around uh, OpenAI, as we were saying to Tom there, quite a fast-moving story. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, here in the UK, it's a very big week for the government. The autumn statement on Wednesday, the Chancellor Jeremy Hunt expected to reveal plans to cut Britain's tax burden without adding to inflation. That would be the aim. Our UK correspondent, Lizzie Burden, is back and joins us in studio. Good morning. Set the scene for us then. What do you think um, is going to happen on Wednesday? The messaging over the weekend, there was plenty of it. It was a very difficult week last week for the Tories. Yeah, a nightmare week for the Prime Minister. You have the party divided again over small boats and the Home Secretary Swella Braverman's departure. And of course, this autumn statement really is crucial because it's one of the few remaining set pieces, the opportunities to narrow the gap with Labour. They've got a 20-point lead and the election's got to be called by January 2025. So as you say, we had the Chancellor Jeremy Hunt on the airwaves yesterday laying the groundwork for Wednesday. He wants to take credit for stabilising the economy. You know, the government's already met its self-set target of halving inflation by the end of the year, even if it's not back to the Bank of England's 2% target. 
even though the work was really done by Threadneedle Street, but moving on. He's got not a lot of room to manoeuvre fiscally and he's going to want to avoid criticism that the Sunak administration is simply managing Britain's decline. So as was ever thus, you've got backbench Conservatives clamouring for tax cuts, but Jeremy Hunt has already said that's not going to happen overnight but he hasn't ruled anything out. The trouble is the government really needs to shift gears at this point. Party conference, Caroline, you and I were there, didn't really move the dial, nor did the King's speech. And so Hunt's got to get a lot of political bang out of not a lot of fiscal book here. Okay, well, let's talk specifics then, Lizzie. What sort of things should we be expecting the Chancellor to announce? I mean, if you listened to the Chancellor yesterday, you'd think that every tax under the sun was going to be cut. (laughs) And if you read the papers as well, but that's the usual sort of speculation before a fiscal event. We know that the Prime Minister and the Chancellor have been considering slashing inheritance tax, but optically that would be so difficult in a cost of living crisis, given that the Chancellor's also expected to adjust welfare to try to reduce economic inactivity and save a bit of money. So there's speculation that he might pull a bigger lever like income tax or national insurance. But then the Chancellor seemed to cool on that yesterday and it would be expensive. He's warned it could stoke inflation. So the compromise would be to pledge to cut income tax somewhere down the line. That's straight out of the Rishi Sunak playbook. Or they could cut stamp duty, the property transaction tax. That's seen as being a less inflationary move. I'm going to be listening for clues from the Prime Minister this morning. He's making a speech in North London and the Chancellor is giving a fireside chat to the CBI's countdown to the election event later today. I'm hosting a panel. He's going to be talking to the Director General, Ray Newton-Smith, and he's, she's going to be joining us right here on Bloomberg Radio for an interview before that conference gets going today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great morning. In terms of the next steps, though, on the Rwanda deportation policies, just go back to what happened last week, the court decision that went against the government. What happens with this migration policy now? Yeah, it really was Rishi Sunak's worst week as Prime Minister. Increasingly, he's on thin ice with his backbench. So he's expected to deploy Whitehall officials to Rwanda to try and assist with the casework. This is according to The Telegraph. He's expected to publish a new Rwanda treaty early this week. And this is, of course, as you say, after the Supreme Court ruled that deporting asylum seekers to Rwanda was unlawful because it risked people being sent back to their home countries. The other major event on the docket in the UK today is the government's Food Security Summit. That's hosted with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's the idea to address hunger and malnutrition globally. So you're going to have representatives from governments, from international aid groups, the science community and the private sector, all expected to attend. Again, the Prime Minister trying to move the spotlight away from the boats policy, which really has been a thorn in its side. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.